my kids started to have some trouble and we went to get them help. And it was like, wait a minute, <laughs> this guy, the dad needs help too. So I was like, yeah, I, I think I, I want to change. And you're just kind of feeling your way through the dark. And, you know, 2018, 2019, I think I had heard of ayahuasca for the first time. It's different and maybe now, 2022. But, but just those few years ago, to hear an, a word like ayahuasca, it would come with a set of descriptors, which is ego death, and you're gonna vomit in a bucket, and it's just gonna be this you know, traumatic experience, and why would you put yourself through that? Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Psychedelic Conversations podcast. I have with me a very special guest. Kerry Devine is with us today and really, really looking forward to dive into his story and his relationship with the medicine. So welcome, Kerry. So great to have you. That's good to be here. Uh, thanks for having me. You're welcome. It's been a while. I hate to correct yeah. you so quickly, but it's pronounced divine. Divine. Oh my God. I love that. It's even better. It's just so. It, it that's why my, my wife married me for my last name. <laughs> Did she? Okay. Well, it makes sense. Well, it's very uh, kind of, you know, works for the show because it's psychedelic medicines we're talking about and a divine connection <laughs> to the soul, the spirit. So this is all great. Um, so as always, we like to dive into your story and you are a, you are in the performing arts so yes. you can maybe tell us what you do and then we can then go into your uh, story a little bit about how mm -hmm. did you how did you come into the psychedelic medicine space and we'll take it from there okay okay yeah so for the past 10 years or so uh, I've been in the performing arts uh, I'm a vocalist a singer um, and, but before that, you know, I, w I went to film school. I was always in the arts, like you're talking about, um, into uh, writing. And uh, my journey has taken me through uh, performing. Uh, I used to work at television stations as a promotions producer and uh, always, always been a, a, in and around that realm. And uh, in the past, well, I think my, my, my last show was in September and I've since moved from the Midwest out to Colorado. So I'm actually uh, kind of in a, in a different phase in my life that's just beginning. And uh, you, you could say, you know, a good, a good portion of that comes from, you know, the psychedelic medicine that uh, has helped me um, kind of uh, deal with my uh, childhood trauma. Mm, thank you so much, Kerry. So can we also talk about, I know it's kind of deep dive straight in, um, but I'm really interested in your story of overcoming or at least healing your childhood trauma. And uh, can we say, is it safe to say PTSD? Oh, for sure. You, you've Absolutely. been, yeah. Tell us what it's like to like, what, what I would be really interested in, like, how did you come to understanding or that awareness that, 
this was that, this was the childhood trauma, this was the PTSD. Like, how was it? When did you start realizing that, you know, this was like the pivoting moment where you just realized, oh my God, this is what I'm dealing with? Uh, well, I mean, it's always been there and I've always been aware of it, um, but it's been wrapped in. I don't know what, how to say like a mythology or something like the family, like, well, we're, we're Irish and we have a temper and this is how, you know, we're passionate. And, um, I, over the years, uh, something always, I would get triggered by things and I didn't un always understand what it was, uh, until recently, uh, what it was that I was getting triggered. And those triggers were the, uh, PTSD and, uh, but, when you have a family history that that trains you to believe that that's uh you know like i said it's oh you're just being passionate oh you're you're fighting for yourself um you can't back down you gotta if if you back down uh you are uh you're giving up like you're not standing up for yourself um so i was trained uh at a young age like all of my siblings uh that uh, the one and only way to solve problems is through contention. And, you know, I mean, not always, I mean, you go through life, but if there's a, if there's an issue that you don't know how to deal with for whatever reason, uh, that I would snap. And, uh, that was always excused with that kind of, uh, idea of, of who we are. And this is, this is how we live. And as you get older, you, you look back and you're like, look, I'm, I've lost friends from it. Um, I've had trouble with family and it just, it's disruptive. Uh, it's a disruptive way to be. It can't get through life uh, like I want to. And I kind of, it, it's really a lack of control of emotions. And you just kind of, you get to a point where you you analyze this and go this, this, I don't see other people acting like this, you know, I mean, maybe some, but not, the, most of the people that I know don't don't like lose their mind in rage like that. <clears throat> and, you know, trying to I've been married for about 25 years and uh, my wife and family, it's like, why do we have to live this way? You know, then you, you got to know at some point it's like, yeah, there's something wrong. And to to take medication and, you know, I got diagnosed with PTSD in 2013. Um, and that really started, um, you know, my, my kids started to have some trouble and we went to get them help. And it was like, wait a minute, <laughs> this guy, the dad needs help too. So I was like, yeah, I, I think I, I want to change. Um, and you're just kind of feeling your way through the dark. And uh, it, it does bring up until uh, up to the point where, you know, 2018, 2019, I think, I had heard of ayahuasca for the first time. And the thing about that, and, and maybe it's better now because of the communication and the understanding of what psychedelics like ayahuasca uh, can do for you. Um, it's different maybe now, 2022, but, but just those few years ago to hear an, a word like ayahuasca, uh, you would, it would come with uh, a set of descriptors, which is ego death, and you're going to vomit in a bucket and it's just going to be this, uh, you know, traumatic experience. And why would you put yourself through that? And the implication being probably from a cultural standpoint is that 
you you're risking losing your mind. I mean, <laughs> look at the if you're from the mainstream, you've never done psychedelics, and you might see somebody that has, and they it it changes them, and it and it really changes for the better. And but it's so strange, like wow, look what it's doing to to these these other. Why would you do that? Um, so I I came to it with that understanding. I had no other way of thinking about it. So my wife and I flew to Sedona. Uh, she was, she had already uh, done a film screening in our town where we live. And the, the executive director of that theater where we screened, it was the movie Heal. It was a real success. And he said, well, let's go get some more films if you can do that. And we said, great. And we flew to Sedona where the screening of a film called From Shock to Awe uh, was, uh, was featured. And we actually didn't even see the film. We were too busy with so many other things, but the word came back, the buzz, you know, when you're a film festival, there's a buzz about certain films. And that was, that was the one film that had the most buzz around it. And we knew it was about ayahuasca. It was about a couple of uh, veterans with PTSD and how they, chose to uh, go to SoulQuest in Florida and, and use ayahuasca as a new means to uh, heal their PTSD. And I was, on the way there, my wife was reading in, uh, about the film and she's like, you know, maybe you should consider doing ayahuasca. And I still had all that stuff in my head about it. I was like, no way. Now, I mean, that, ego death and all that. Um, but when we were there, uh, we met someone who was really familiar with ayahuasca and my wife, Sue and I were speaking to him. His name was Jason. And he just looked at me and he's like, yeah, you, you, you need to do ayahuasca. And out of nowhere, I just said, yes, I could just feel it. I just sensed from him a certain calm, total stranger. I, 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 I'd never seen him before and haven't seen him since. And in that moment, I, I said, yeah, I think I will. And, and, and Sue's jaw just dropped. She's like, what, how is that possible that we just, there was, there was something about, I entered, I, I could see in his eyes that he understood and he had been there and I trusted that. So I decided that maybe this is the way to go. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, they say that the medicine has to be a calling cannot be forced, cannot be, you know, um, you can't drag people into it. It needs to be definitely a calling and also the, the connection with the facilitator. That's really great because you mm -hmm. need to feel safe. Yes. You need to feel like this is the person I can trust. That's beautiful, especially what's going on now with the um, psychedelic renaissance is expanding globally. Um, we're hearing so many horror stories about facilitators um, compromised, bruised, all kinds of things. So, yeah, I guess it's it's a there's a very fine line knowing this is the person that I'm going to trust and this is the time is right for me. Um, I feel like Kerry that we kind of lost that now that it's becoming too popular and trendy. Um, I feel like earlier in the beginning of the whole thing, people would. Like you said, like, I mean, I speak to so many people. I love like some of our participants, you know, guests that they say, oh, I just heard it and it just felt the right thing. 
Um, I feel like since the, the, the ayahuasca boom, the tourism in ayahuasca, I feel like we kind of lost that uh, organic calling to the medicine. It's, mm-hmm. It feels more like people are reading so much about it and seeing and hearing. So it's becoming a trend where they just want to go and try it rather than it's a deep calling for healing, if you know what I mean. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts on that are that that is a natural process um, for trends to happen and, and it to get to be too commercial and all of that um, is absolutely natural, but it's not a surprise. Uh, I think about if you think about where ayahuasca came from or any other um, psychedelic, maybe psilocybin, um, where we find its origin, it had a culture that understood it. And you could approach that medicine within that cultural frame. And now that it's leaving the jungle, it doesn't have that cultural frame anymore. And so it is going to run into all of these kinds of things until it evolves and naturally settles in. So that's not a surprise. Um, I, I think that that's just a natural, uh, I guess an example of that would be, um, in 1955, I think it was when um, a man wrote the article in Life magazine about psilocybin coming from Mexico, and it after that it just seemed like, you know, all the rock and rollers wanted to to experience this, and a, a hippie culture came in the United States, uh, which was you, you had it in the United States there was no culture for psilocybin at all, and then it just showed up and exploded and, and people felt a certain way about it. And it really made people think, wow, we could really change the world. We could, it, it gave them an understanding. I'll say uh, in the aggregate as a whole, um, but it had no cultural reference. So you had, you know, love beads and crazy clothes and hippie hair and whatever. And, and the mainstream was like, hold on, that is, no, we can't do that. There's no cultural reference for it. So ayahuasca, psilocybin, um, different uh, psychedelics, I think, are in that period right now where they're trying to find and establish a cultural reference. And there's kind of a, you know, I mean, laws are, are being explored. How can we introduce, you know, psilocybin therapy? maybe ayahuasca therapy and, um, you know, I, MAPS uh, is involved in that. And I, I hope it doesn't go the route of, you know, what do I want to say? Um, pharmaceutical companies like jumping in and taking control. I just want, I'd like to see more of what we're actually, what we're doing right now. This, this discussion we're having now is the testing of uh, how we can incorporate these things into our culture because they're amazing. Um, There's certainly some drawbacks, but uh, we as people uh, need to have these discussions and and really like find a way that it fits into the culture and incorporate it. Because the thing I think about is I think the world love is great, but I think the world really needs understanding like i don't i think we need both but if you you know i hate this binary question if you had to pick between love and understanding i think understanding is really important right now uh if we can and and i i find that when i take a psychedelic i feel the love and when i'm 
the psychedelic wears off, I have a chance to understand if I choose it. And that's what I think is important. Uh, that that's why this medicine is so important right now, because mm. we have a chance to understand each other through psychedelics. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's very powerful. Thank you. Yeah, that guy was the Wasson. I think Gordon Wasson. Yeah, who, Gordon. who wrote. Yeah, and then um, there's like crazy stories how the Beatles drove across Mexico, and you know they all, everybody went crazy uh, yes. celebrities at the time. Yeah, and you know, I do understand what you're saying. Before it settles and we, you know, we find ways to, or even frameworks, new frameworks to um, handle and, and incorporate them in our lives. I think it's gonna go through that, you know, nature's law, before it gets better, it gets worse. Yes. You know, chaos to coherence type of understanding. I think we are gonna, whether we like it or not, it's gonna happen. Um, I was listening to Michael Pollan and he said, they said to him, what, is, what would be the one worry or, or is there any kind of concerns you have? And I think he was saying something like the only concern would be a bunch of guys dying from uh, immaturely, uh, irresponsibly handling them. And then, and then the media turns against us again, because right now the media is all about pro-psychedelic and uh, the mainstream media is continually promoting them as like almost um, magic potions, right? Panacea. And uh, yeah, I like what Michael Pollan said. He said, well, let's not let, let's not get to that point where a bunch of guys, you know, turn this whole thing against us again. Um, yeah. I definitely advocate the educational part. The understanding and education is, is my thing. I love that. My passion is about, can we bring more education? Uh, we already understand the medicines are powerful. We already know that they have the potential to transform, change, heal. But can we bring more education? As, as the, the chaos of it comes about, I think if we can educate ourselves and have a mature approach and handling, I think we'll be okay. I think we'll develop a good framework. Doesn't matter what culture, where we are in the world, we can create some great ways to incorporate them. I'm hopeful. Yeah. I because agree. um yeah, because I mean if you look at the I mean look at the, the medicine um again this is a very common conversation that you're probably always always hearing medicine is it's at once like crazy levels like the medicine now if you look back 100 years ago look the machines will be starting to operate people on the most sensitive um you know procedures and and yet mental health side of it is completely uh stagnant and and it stayed where it is and and they say like even the ssris have been founded what 40 years ago and nothing has been ever evolved ever since so I feel like this is a great time to to uh, level up the mental health, the psychological yeah. side of the health. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. So I just want to also uh, dig into your story. So do you know what you said so powerful? Also, I want to acknowledge you. When parents have issues with their kids, there is this always need to fix them. Let's get them a therapy. Let's get them fixed. Let's find the answers. Let's find the cure. 
-hmm. Yet, that moment of the truth that dawns upon them, wow, it's not my kid. I need the therapy, right? I think this is this is so powerful. This is so common. I think a lot of parents, it's like a lightning awakening shock moment that they are the problem, not the children. Uh, so I want to acknowledge you because this is a huge big deal that you taken it on board, owned it, and then went after it and 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 started to look for the ways to heal. So especially something like PTSD, it's one of the most horrific, uh, you know, symptoms or the horrific thing to live through. And it's very painful, you know. Um, I understand it from coming from a psychology background. I really understand how detrimental it can be. It literally bleeds over everything you do in your life, your relationships, your decisions, the way you see the world, right? Mm-hmm. It just it just it becomes a whole mess so now let's talk about you had your first experience and what was that like was there more realizations how did you heal people always say okay so people say to me like can you explain the healing like what happens i drink it and then i wake up or go through the process and then I'm healed. I do not behave that way anymore or, or I don't feel the symptoms anymore. The symptoms are gone forever. But that's not the case, is it? It's the self-awareness, no, no. right? The self-awareness that grows. So can you walk us through what was that like? Well, yeah, I mean, having that, and, you know, I do ceremony. So I did a, I did a Friday night ceremony. This was at SoulQuest. And then I did a Sun Saturday night ceremony. Um, so yeah, you, I guess, you know, when the honeymoon is over in the honeymoon, by that, I mean, like the glow of the psychedelic, which, you know, maybe a week or two later, or a month later or whatever, um, you're still living with yourself and, um, you're, you're not necessarily healed. You feel way better. Um, and, but for me, it is because a door had been opened a door of understanding, and I still didn't understand everything, but it's like a, I, I just stepped into a, my own realm of, of who I am. And by that is very specific. Um, it's so the, the, the very first night um, and, and my, my ayahuasca journey was different from everyone around me. Most everyone was on a laying on a mat and um, <clears throat> mine was very outward. Uh, I was actually, I actually asked to leave they were, You're inside of a Maloka and I asked, I, 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 I gotta, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> I gotta go stand. I, uh, one of the, uh, facilitators helped me and brought me outside behind the Maloka. It's nighttime. I can see the stars. I'm in a grassy area and I just acted out. I mean, I was very outward. I was singing songs. I was shadow boxing. I was, I was like experiencing five to six conversations at once. And it was out loud. And, you know, the facilitator didn't know what to do with me. And actually, at one point thought I was there to party, like I was tripping and I was just having a great time. I wasn't. What that turned out to be, um, it was many, many voices just coming right out of me. And um, the next night, I was lucky enough. And I did, my wife was lying next to me uh, and she did ayahuasca and she brought this little notebook with her. 
before we before we took the medicine night number two, I was kind of jibing with. I was like, "Yeah, what are you going to take notes while you're while you're uh, under the influence of a psychedelic?" And she's like, "Hey, you never know." Well, what how it turned out was, I grabbed the notebook, <laughs> and I was able to identify on the second night all of the voices that were coming out of me the first night because the first night they came out that door was opened all of them came out uh second night i actually got to settle in and i identified them um including two that i discovered weren't speaking at all i could feel their presence and it was a very dark presence so i i might have come out of there with you know 10 or 12 different uh, identities and two of them being silent and, and dark. Um, so I remember that uh, and that's where the exploration began. So that the psychedelic experience allowed me to discover these personas. And I was most intrigued by these two that weren't speaking and I, I understood them pretty quickly. They're part of me. Um, and that's where it is. Like I, later on, I discovered, I said that they're part of me. That's because they're parts like Dr. Richard Schwartz, uh, internal family systems. Um, and, it, and it took me over a year to know, like I, st I still kept working on myself and figuring, figuring these things out to heal. Um, but I didn't know that that's what I was working on until a long, long time later. But I was, I was these two uh, personas inside of me, I knew were responsible, were the two parties that were responsible for my PTSD and the way I acted. And my uh, reaction to them without any, I had no guidance, you know, which, it, you know, we, we, I'd, I'd been in maybe a couple of integration uh, Zoom meetings and things like that, um, but I, I needed specific integration. And I think one-on-one -on -one integration is really super helpful uh, if you can find it. And uh, so I want to tell you what I did. So these two silent uh, parts, uh, I had names for all the other ones. Then um, I couldn't come up with names for these guys. And uh, so one was LE, which stood for lawful evil. And the other one was CE, which stood for chaotic evil. And those are terms from my childhood from playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, those uh, describe the character, but I, I, I knew that they were, they were the reason for my PTSD. So my, my approach was to, I mean, it's just, it sounds silly, but it, it worked. Uh, I purchased these uh, worry dolls, these Guatemala worry dolls. Do you know what they are? Do you know that for children, they're just a little, and, uh, uh, child will tell their worries to this doll and, and set them aside and that way they can get to sleep at night. Um, and I thought, you know, that's kind of imbuing an outside object with, you know, uh, the troubles that you have. So I was like, I'm going to try that because I had done it. I'd already done some imbuing and it's a long story, but uh, I'd done that while under ayahuasca and it worked. So that gave me the confidence to try this. And this is what I did. I got these two worried, I got two worried dolls and I, I considered one LE, like I said, lawful evil, which is like a general uh, of an army who's the manager and CE chaotic evil, who's like the soldier. And I, I imbued 
their personas onto these little worry dolls and I put them in a pill box and I locked them up. I just, I think, and you know, it's you two parts that are, are responsible for so much of this crime and, and awful behavior. And what do we do with people when they uh, act like this? We lock them up. So I did. And it worked. It worked for a while. It worked for a few months, maybe. And then it didn't work anymore. And uh, that's when uh, Sue, I, Sue knew something was really, really wrong at that point. It's like I was I was awful after that. I was um, so she reached out to someone named Daniel McQueen, which you may know who he is. Um, who's a psychedelic therapist and expert. And I did some one-on-one -on -one integration with him. I, I, I might've done five or six different sessions with him. So he's going to ask me about this stuff. And I told him what I had done. And he, he said, you know what? Those, those parts are part of you and you don't want to lock them up. Um, they're coming out sideways. You got to let them out. Um, and you got to love them. And man, that was hard. That was really, really hard. I was like, I, I can't, I don't know if I can love these guys, the trouble that they gave me. Um, but I found a way. Um, I, I did cannabis. Uh, and I was, I'm lucky enough to have a sauna at the house and I would, I would go into the sauna and smoke some cannabis. And uh, because of what Daniel McQueen, I call him Danny Mac, he did, not to his face, but uh, it's just easier to say so. Um, he suggested different ways of uh, kind of like um, dealing with these guys and welcoming, welcoming them back into my psyche. And he brought up the story of the loyal soldiers of Japan that uh, they were these, uh, I don't know if you know about the loyal soldiers in World War II, uh, when some of these soldiers were caught on an island somewhere and uh, kind of left behind and not they 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 would find these soldiers way after the war was already over but they felt like the war was still on and that's what these two guys were the war was over these two it turns out were um protecting me um and they were my lo loyal soldiers uh and the war was over the war was um my upbringing with my father and i wasn't under that uh i wasn't under that strain anymore but they still acted like it. And what had happened was my, my father had imbued, speaking of imbuing, he imbued uh, anyone around me, whether it's, uh, well, it could have been a stranger, it could be a boss, could be my wife, could be whatever. Um, anyone that if I heard a certain tone of voice or I heard a certain thing that I uh, was basically sensed that they were ridiculing me that's when I would lash out. And that's when these soldiers would take over. And I had to have that conversation with them and say, Hey, you know, and after talking to Daniel McQueen, it's like, you know what, just let them know that they don't have to do this anymore. Help them, tell them that they can find new jobs, tell them that they can have new roles as part of your personality. You can't get rid of them. You can't shun them because it just makes it worse. You got to, like the loyal soldiers that came back to Japan that couldn't fit back into society, what they did was they threw them a parade. They were like celebrated rather than, um, you know, shunned. 
so he said, you know what, have them come in to, you know, have a discussion with these two parts of your personality and thank them, man, that's, that was really mind blowing. So um, I did. And um, it's interesting because one of them, one of them, you know, it, it, it was a process, but I ended up doing ayahuasca again. And <clears throat> well, I ended up naming them uh, Lester and Chester. They had new names. So that, that gave them a little more uh, respect so that I could talk to them. And uh, Chester, the foot soldier, the one that's on the line, always listening to what people say to me and whether or not they're, you know, putting me down or ridicule or trying to control me. I had to have that discussion with him and go, hey, they're not doing that. That's not happening. Um, he laid his sword down metaphorically when I went in again on ayahuasca. I did it the third time I did it. Um, it was it was all him. Uh, and he put the sword down. And I changed like I it, it was it healed a part of me for sure. But there was still a lot of work to do. But how encouraging, you know, when 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 that happens, you're like, oh, I can keep going, you know, and I did. Wow. Wow. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. Carrie, I've, I have I have a question for you. Okay. You heard of DID dissociative um identity disorder hmm. do I Multi no no do, are you familiar with it did you hear about it did you look into it yeah well yeah i mean uh so daniel mcqueen had suggested i read <clears throat> uh richard schwartz's book on ifs uh internal mm -hmm. family systems. yeah from what i remember it was that someone that has an identity or just identity disorder or just, yeah. uh what person maybe that it's it's yeah it's called dissociative identity disorder basically it's a okay. multiple multiple personality disorder it's good that you bring that up because that's what someone would immediately question is like maybe he's got mm -hmm. that and hit uh, richard schwartz uh in his book explained that we all have it you know mm -hmm. but that particular person that we diagnose with that um give that diagnosis to um has a very severe version, something that's gone way beyond that they have amnesiac barriers yes. so that the personas within them don't even know that the other one exists necessarily. And I may, I'm paraphrasing. Yes. I'm not, a, I'm not a psychologist. So, mm -hmm. but that yeah, co is what correct. Mm -hmm. okay. it's quite a severe response to an extreme trauma. Yes. Uh, and, and yeah, these parts, I mean, they, people who have these, they aware of the parts. And like you said, they have names, they have uh, genders, they have age, even yes. um, they're very specific characters. And mm -hmm. like you said, they can take over the body, they can actually manipulate the person. And, and yeah, it's quite scary. But um, yeah, I just kind of had to thought of like when you was explaining the two characters and, and how you finally had to forgive, have compassion and integrate them. Yes. Uh, kind of uh, wanted me, to, I just wanted to bring that up in case some of our listeners uh, might even have it because lo lots of people, they don't know it. They don't yep. know they have it. it and do you know what's so common and very interesting? A lot of people who go through psychedelic experiences, if they have any multiple personality disorders, 
it becomes more vivid. It becomes very clear. Like mm-hmm. I know, I know, I know a specific person that um, you know. She said uh, after the ayahuasca ceremony, it became very clear that there were many parts within herself. So, yeah, it's it's super interesting, and I like what you said about instead of locking this up, but more about integrating them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love how. The, the approach of they were protecting you, they were there serving you. I think this is great. This approach is amazing. So now, did you carry on with the uh, psychedelic medicines? Did you try any other than ayahuasca? Is it specifically ayahuasca that you work with or do you still work with uh, even now? Yeah, I've used a mix. Uh, I the Ayahuasca was definitely a great way to uh, open it all up uh, in a major way, uh, rather than kind of, you know, cannabis and other things might just kind of skirt around it and give clues to what's going on. Ayahuasca just kicked the door down. But after that, yeah, the cannabis actually, I was surprised. Uh, the cannabis really helped me, uh, communicate with these parts and I took copious notes. I always had a notebook with me and, um, had these discussions with them and, um, so I use cannabis and I also use psilocybin um, and that, you know, I mean, it was easier to get the psilocybin. Uh, so I do a, what I call a spiritual dose of it. And um, that worked as well. And it, it, it seemed to be the right medicine at the right time. Yeah, this is, this is perfect what you're saying. And I think there is no one uh, medicine as we call medicine, I mean, our listeners by now probably know that I call the psychedelic substances medicines because of the profound, you know, healing uh, properties they carry. And um, yes, and I love the way that you can move through it. Like you can start with ayahuasca or some people start. I also like, um, I want to point out, I think the more we have education, the more we have more understanding about these medicines, people can make um, informed decisions and choices because sometimes if it's a trend rather than listening to what you might need because we tend to know what we need and hence why the the calling for specific medicine I feel like you know there are stages where you can go through start with something and then go and move on to next and then you know I I have a friend like she's um she started with the hardcore, really strong medicines and then moved on to very soft, like um, cacao or something so gentle. Do you see what I mean? Like the stages how we can um, work through these medicines. And another question I'd have for you is when you, like how is it different for you now? Uh, is it that if you was to say one specific outcome of working with psychedelic medicines, would you say like, for example, is it helped you grow in self-awareness so that you can manage these symptoms or is it a complete healing in a sense that you don't have any of these tendencies, you don't have any of these destructive you know, um, patterns anymore? How would you describe the healing? Well, it's interesting. Uh, and my story is uh, kind of complicated. <laughs> <laughs> that I, I fully healed and I fully healed in my last major ceremony, which was in June of 2021. Um, and, uh, which meant that, uh, basically if 
I'm going to use IFS parlance, the internal family systems. Um, those two characters I talked about, um, personas, uh, Lester and Chester, were what Richard Schwartz would refer to as protectors. And they protect exiles. And exiles are the parts of you that are traumatized. They're the ones that, like when I was traumatized, and, and I, you know, trauma can be ongoing, certainly, um, especially with abuse. Uh, but certainly there are times maybe when they're, it's so extreme. Like it, I was four years old when I had uh, extreme trauma and then it kept going. And then there were other two other times, uh, one when I was eight and one when I was 10. And um, I wasn't aware of these. Like I, I had to keep reading and discovering uh, with help from Daniel McQueen um, about these exiles. Well, that's why I discovered later, that's why only one of my protectors laid down the sword. The other one, I, and that was our approach, was like, how about this other persona, Lester? Can we get him to, to he wouldn't stop. He wouldn't stop. He was better, but it never would stop. And it, like, what's going on? So I had to read more and learn more and find out that my protector, Lester, was not going to stop because he didn't feel that my exile, um, Grizzly is the, the name of the exile that I had. He was an eight-year-old, um, had to unburden and, and uh, be, at, be told, hey, it's okay. We can, you, can, you don't have to be eight years old anymore. You can, you, can, you, know, you can come grow up and be a part of Carrie's persona like the rest of us and be at ease. And before you, before you unburden these exiles, your protectors are going to stick around. Well, um, I discovered, now I, I had unburdened Grizz. And it's, it, they're funny. Is they, they actually, I mean, they, they'll talk to you. You're like, well, Grizz wanted to unburden with alcohol. I'm like, okay. Like, so I had to do like this personal alcohol ceremony. I had uh, like a... I don't know if it was chocolate tequila or what, but um, it was how he wanted to come. It was his sense of what a grown-up would do. So that's what I did, and it worked. But then something was wrong again. I couldn't understand why. It's because there was another exile, and he came out. Um, and his name—he was four-year-old, and that his name's little guy. And that's when I when I finally uh, unburdened little guy uh, in June. <laughs> I felt what it was for the first time to have what Richard Schwartz would call self-leadership. I just knew, I just, I, I felt it. I was like, I'm healed. I, I know I'm healed. I feel it. Now I don't say I was cured because it lasted about two months, but I know what it is. I know what it is to have self-leadership and I know what it is to be healed and to be cured of something, it, you get the sense, you know, to use the word cure means that you're, you're implying it's never coming back. And um, that's how I felt. And then after two months when it happened again, I'm like, oh no, well, another exile appeared. So that I'm in that period right now um, where I, I still have an exile. Um, so I guess we were just, you were asking me about the healing and yeah I, what does it feel like what does it look like how are you different in your life and I like you know I need to also acknowledge you for saying that 
this is an ongoing process. We could have these openings where we're more expansive, like you said, healed. And then there's more to excavate. There's more to do. There's more coming. I feel like there's an infinite process, right? So yeah. I think having that having that humility of an openness to, yeah. to this work is amazing, don't you think? Yes, I do. Yeah. And if it wasn't if it wasn't for psychedelics, I wouldn't be able to address it so specifically. I think if you go in, um, I mean, before we gotten this far in psychology study and um, research, you know, um, they, you go to a therapist and have talk therapy and you kind of dance around um, understanding what it is that's making you tick and what it is that's wrong and you feel better and then you feel worse again and you just keep I feel like that's kind of like this, it's a cloud. Like it's, it's, it's a circle of, you know, confusion. And with the psychedelics made it crystal clear. Um, and, and I still have to learn and, and study, but I know I, I can see what's going on. And it doesn't mean that there's not something on the other, as you continue, as I continue to travel, I, everything in my view is clear it doesn't mean that there's not something over the horizon waiting for me, you know, but at least now because of psychedelics, I'm not in that cloud anymore. Yeah. I love that description. So there is more clarity. There is more focused um, unfolding mm -hmm. of the process. Right. Yep, there's yeah. A lot knowing. Mm -hmm. Great. And of course, um, in my understanding, I always say that it builds in enough inner capacity. Like for example, from your first ceremony to the last, the, in that process, you have built enough capacity to go deeper uh, into the work. Um, you could have done the last, the, the you know the little guy and and the, uh, the integrating the the sort of exiles you call them, yes. those those really extreme traumas that you experienced in different times, for example, I don't think you could have done that in your first ceremony. I like the way the medicine prepares us for the next phase, for the next stage, um, while building that inner capacity. This is like, I'm so passionate about, a lot of people talk to me about their, um, you know, the therapy process, the tra traditional process is always, um, you know, it's half done. It's never fully the, the option or the solution or it doesn't bring that resolution that we're looking for, uh, mm -hmm. which is the leadership, which is the self-agency, which is um, where we finally mm -hmm. become liberated from that painful you know, story. And um, I always say, I think one of the things that I understand about psychedelic medicines, they somehow build enough inner capacity so that they help us go to places that we need to go, whereas maybe we couldn't in the past, or we couldn't usually with the traditional methods. Um, oh, right. Sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely need, um, yeah. Once, once you begin to understand how it's working for you, you will want to do it more than once um, and see it as a, uh, you know, you, you're visiting the realm of, and in, in within which you can um, get to know yourself and um, have those internal conversations that actually work. And uh, one of the things I wanna impress uh, in this conversation we're having is that um, 
you're talking about, you know, it, it's a constant journey. It's never going to be over. It's true. But the difference is because of psychedelics, I can now live with the fact that this is unfinished business and not worry about the finish line as my, you know, I've, I've accomplished so much with what is with, with what uh, psychedelics have given me that it's okay that I still have things to work on. Whereas before that, if it's unfinished, that means you're not you're not healed, you're not cured, you're not in in that's a cloud in itself hanging over your head is like, when is this ever going to be over? And it isn't. But like I said, I can live with it now. I'm like, hey, this is okay. Like I've I've reached kind of a, a yeah, I don't want to say a plateau, because a plateau makes an assumption that you've gotten to the top, but I've reached a good place to where I can I can really work uh, on the rest of of my issues in a, in a calm manner and just, you know, Hey, we're, you know, like the village, you know, there's always going to be trouble. You know, there, there could be an attack from another village. You just kind of gather, gather together and we'll, we'll work it out uh, in a diplomatic way rather than uh, you know, in a contentious way. There's so much. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than being on your toes on the edge, ready to, you know, ready for the battle, yeah, seeing the world as this unsafe, unpredictable, chaotic, dangerous place. I love that. So you can literally breathe through now, breathe and be calm and that radical acceptance that this yeah. is an ongoing journey. Yeah. I like yeah, this is an ongoing journey. I'm going to be here and I'm good with that. There yeah. is no destination. It's that radical acceptance of there was never a destination in the first place. And now you feel that in your bones and mm -hmm. you're good with that. Mm. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's so beautiful. Thank mm -hmm. you so much for uh, sharing your story with us as we are coming towards the end of our conversation, like nearly an hour is gone and I'm still, I feel like we haven't covered so much. I'm sure there's a Feels lot. Like right? minutes. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll have you back soon because um, tell so. me about, yeah, tell me about if there's any projects. Like, are you writing a book about your story? Is there anything going on? What's happening? Yeah, a, I am. Um, I'm writing a book. Uh, the title right now is "My Ego's Electric Funeral," and uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, that's actually the title I came up with right after my first uh, ayahuasca weekend. And uh, I don't know that, but it, it it that particular book will be uh, specific to when I started ayahuasca and uh, when I unburdened uh, little guy uh, in last June. And I'm, yeah, so I'm in a, I'm in a new phase right now that, but that at least I can say that period of my life can encapsulate um, how it worked for me, even though I'm still working on it, it did work for me. And uh, hopefully uh, someone reading the story will, uh, it'll have an impact on them and see how it can work. Not that it'll work that way for them necessarily, but that, you know, they may not have those same exiles and protectors and stuff, but they will be able to uh, look at resources, um, you know, and, and have a laugh. I mean, there's some funny, it's a funny story too, you know? And yeah. uh, so it, it doesn't have to be, I, it's too bad that we have to use the word work you know, that we have to work on ourselves and use, use psychedelics to do the work. It, 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 that word works for now. Um, but, uh, maybe there's a better word for it. Uh, mm. Yeah. 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 
I definitely feel you. And I think, you know, I think psychedelics also, uh, once we, I feel like once you cross some barriers or thresholds, um, another metaphorically, like cross the river, you get to a point where, oh, I'm going to keep this thing light. doesn't have to be so dark and mm -hmm. deep, right? Yeah, let's keep it light. Let's keep going, but also have fun. Learn mm -hmm. to be, you know, learn to have fun in the, in the, in the process. I like that. And um, I would use also, the word joy. Yeah. What I mean, isn't you? that what you're after anyway? Joy? Like just joy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that contentment, that peace, inner peace, peace to to find that you you know you're okay where you are. Right. Um, that's that's amazing. Do you know? I love that you are putting this into a book. Uh, I feel like I um, who said this? I think some I can't remember the person who said this, but I think there's a saying that the stories will change the world. I think this is so important. We're in an information technology age. People can access information so fast. I think sharing our stories can give that light or the inspiration. Like even the way you told your story, I'm already getting little light bulb moments, aha moments, mm -hmm. uh, metaphoric processes that you're talking about. It's a storytelling in at its best, even though it's so true to you and your experience, it just kind of lights up some parts of my mind. I'm thinking, wow, this is great. And I'm sure everybody will feel the same when they get their hands on the book. Yeah. And it's from the perspective of not knowing what psychedelics, I mean, when the way the story is written and being written is that I don't know what's going on. What is this stuff that's happening to me? So that's what people feel before they even try psychedelics. They're like, ah, I don't know what to expect. And it's really hard to put into words. So yeah. rather than try to describe what a psychedelic is like when you're, when you're under that influence, I, I'm going to tell the story of how I felt at any given moment as the, as the, as the uh, journey progressed. And mm -hmm. through, that, through that experience, uh, then I think it'll help give uh, some people a better picture of how it works. Yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, this is the part of the sharing, storytelling, and just gives us all the education. I think these conversations are going to be great, trying mm -hmm. to understand and pinpoint uh, some of the important aspects of the medicine. So thank you so much for that. Oh, you're um, thank, you. And thank you for what you're doing, because um, this is part of the sharing, like you're talking about, is that yeah. your podcast and um, all of the work that you're doing right now um, is part of that sharing and it's important. And I think that what you're doing right now is lending to the culture uh, development uh, that we were talking about. So thank you. Mm, mm, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. And yeah, the, the moment I realized that, oh my God, okay, now we don't have the indigenous cultures, you know, we don't have the framework like they did work, you know, a millennia ago, a hundred years ago or, you know, even now there are so many uh, native um, people working with the psychedelics in their cultural framework. And I'm thinking, what do we do in the West? We got to find our own. Yeah. So since I don't have that background, since I don't have that lifestyle, what do I do? So let's come together and build our own framework that works for us living in this industrialized lifestyle, right? Yeah, yeah. you 
and Michael Pollan and Esselin and MAPS and many of these uh, groups and organizations, I think that's, that's uh, how it's happening. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your feedback. And just want to wrap this quickly with three things I heard from you today. One, having courage to really go into the experience, taking ownership, knowing that, that you may be the problem, that you need to look in, maybe you need to step up and do the work. So that's incredible. Secondly, um, integration. It's not just about the medicine experience. It's about finding those around you like your partner sue incredible support mm -hmm. she's just so brilliant and then having the right integration therapists yeah. having the right support right people around you to integrate everything you're learning is the key you know it's the probably the most important and thirdly just keep going and trusting the process and realizing there is no destination only radical acceptance i think it's so beautiful I like that. Mm, thank you, Carrie. Such a that, pleasure. All right. Great. And look forward to have you back very soon. I hope so. Bye now. Yeah. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. Please do get in touch with Carrie. I'm sure I'm going to be putting some links so you can connect with Carrie and probably want to talk more if you are resonating with this story. And if you have any other questions, yeah, I'm sure you'd be happy to connect. And if you have any other questions for us, for me, please do comment, drop them in the below and in the comments. And I'll see you guys on the next one. Bye for now. Much love. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. Psychedelic Conversations podcast is designed to educate, inform and expand awareness. For more information, please head over to psychedelicconversations.com. You can also share with your friends or leave a review so that we can reach more people. You can also join us in our private Facebook group to keep the conversation going. This show is for information purposes only and it is not intended to provide mental health or medical advice. Thanks for listening.